This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Thursday's solo episode. I'm doing this setup a little bit differently because I was a guest on a podcast just a minute ago and I was going to record myself on their podcast because I was like, why don't I do that? I say so much cool shit on other people's podcasts and I can film myself and then just cut it up and make clips for social media. But I ended up not recording it, but I set it up. So I was like, oh, I'll just record my solo like this. If you're listening in audio, this means nothing to you and you probably don't care. So moving on, um, I really wanted to talk about bedtime battles. OMG. The thing about bedtime battles, I'm just going to get right into it, is... I feel this way, and so I feel like other people probably feel this way. I feel like other people, moms especially, are not as affected negatively by bedtime battles as I am. And so I know other people out there must feel the same way. Like, you're the only one that gets that emotional or worked up or angry over bedtime battles because... Some nights I can handle it like a freaking angel, like a parenting freaking angel. What's that guy called? Like a parenting whisperer or a child whisperer. I can do all the things perfectly. And then other days when it comes so unexpectedly and so hard out of nowhere, like last week we had the worst bedtime battles we've had probably ever came out of nowhere. And so it also makes it difficult to receive advice from other people because I know that it's such a short-term thing. Like he, it happened for a week with a couple nights where it didn't happen and then it's just back to normal now. So It's like, do I want to start completely like revamping our entire bedtime routine, like making these major changes, like calling a freaking like child psychiatrist because his emotions are so big, like for seemingly nothing for just like, okay, it's getting close to bedtime. You know, he's the perfect child. So happy mornings are never an issue after school, never an issue. And then as soon as it's like, okay, like it's time to have a bath, it's like a flip switches and does not want to listen. So, um, what's it called? Like stubborn and being like, like, no, like I'm not having a bath, like running around the house, hiding. And last week it was interesting because he wouldn't, It's not like he was outwardly angry and crying and upset until it got to that point. It's like it was all a big joke and he was like, no, like I I can do what I want. Like I'm not listening. And then it would get to a point where he was so upset, like a blowout. That means diarrhea, not a blowout, like a blow up of emotions. 
so difficult to watch as a parent. And at the same time, I'm having to regulate my own emotions, which can be very difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's not difficult. The first night that it happened and like my husband and I are just looking at each other like, what the fuck do we do? Like, what is going on? He was taking his Legos, like his Mario Legos that we had and throwing them around the house, like just like smashing Legos. My husband and I were like, we had no idea what to do. I like text my mom. She's telling us to do different things like other people are saying to do other things and it's frustrating because I honestly think sometimes there isn't a right answer or there's nothing that is going to just make it go away it's like you can receive advice and really good ideas on how to manage certain things but that doesn't mean that it's going to end what's happening in the next like day you know, he had these huge emotions and like outbursts for almost a week and now it's back to normal. We got the reward chart to try and, you know, give him more of a sense of responsibility for things like you can get dressed by yourself in the morning and then part of the reward chart was like going to bed on time and having a bath because it seems to be like if he wants to exert power or I don't even know if that's what he's doing but it's like he wants to refuse a bath and he wants to refuse going to bed and he will do his bedtime routine perfectly, like come lay in bed, have his snack, brush his teeth. But as soon as it's like, okay, like time to go to your bed, it's like, no, I'm not going to bed. Now that we don't have a lock on his door, he's four and a half, almost five years old. He just walks out of the room. So what do you do? And the worst part about those bedtime battles Because sometimes, and it's interesting, I'm going to be doing a podcast with these girls soon and we're going to be talking about like alternatives to gentle parenting and why like gentle parenting, gentle parenting is not necessarily like the be all end all. Like there's other ways to parent your children that are based in research and so on and so forth, which I'm looking forward to. But one of the things was like planned ignoring, like that's a legit thing. And so oftentimes my husband and I will just be like, okay, like you don't want to go to bed sure, but you're eventually going to be tired. So we'll just come downstairs, put on a basketball game or whatever. And Milo can come and sit with us. And I've done that before too, when I've been home alone with him. And what he did this time last week, when we did that, he would come downstairs and start trying to irritate us. So he would crawl on the floor and like kick the floor or like bang on the coffee table. And we'd be like, Milo, we're not making you go to your room. Not that we can't anyways. Like how do you make them go to their room when they're just like, no, no. You bring them to their room and then they just leave. What do you do? So we did nothing. And then he tries to push our buttons, push our buttons, push our buttons, banging on the coffee table. And so like we can't even hear the TV or like fucking think our own thoughts. Or he started making like crazy sounds, like just like, like following us around. The first night was so freaking bad. My husband had to leave to go to the hospital, like worst timing ever. I literally 
was like, I just need to get away because he was just trying to bug me. No matter what I did, I would be like, Milo, listen, like, do you want mommy to lay down with you? Do you want like to spend more time with mommy? We can read some books. Nothing I say or do matters. Once he's in that frame of mind, he wants, it's like he wants us to lose our goddamn minds. So I was like, I need to just get away. So I like go in my room, close the door. He just starts banging on the door. I'm like, oh my God. I eventually ended up in tears. Like I was crying. I was, could not wait for my husband to get home. I was like, I don't know what to do in this moment. Like, I don't know what to do. What would you have done? I try to like be in his room and like sit on the floor and he'll just like start throwing things at me. So I remove all the toys from his room. Like, sorry, like that's not safe. Like, mommy can't have you throwing toys. So we're going to remove all the toys from your room. And we did that. We took every single toy out of his room, put it in the guest bedroom, like locked the door and... The whole thing was like, when you start having good bedtimes, like we can slowly bring some toys back into your room. And that really seemed to work. Like he, like that really, it really showed him that there was like a consequence for his behavior. And again, I'm I'm telling this and I feel like people might listen and be like, oh God, that's like the totally wrong thing to do. But like it gets to a point where I have no idea what to do. So that's what we did. I was like, do I call Dr. Phil? Do I call Dr. Phil? I remember this episode of Dr. Phil where they like took the door off the kid's room and like emptied it, but that was like a teenager. But anyways, so many of you messaged me saying that like you deal with the same kind of thing, but I feel like people don't talk about it. And I I think it's like people are afraid that it shows that they're not a good parent or something if their child has these like regressions or like phases of being absolute nightmares before bed or maybe for your child it's like in the mornings to get ready for school anyways it can be awful it is emotionally fucking draining especially if you respond in ways that you don't want to respond that way but you're human and it gets the best of you and you just like lose your mind It's really hard and I always feel like, am I the only person that deals with this? Like, and I have a really good kid, like really good. How are people not talking about this? Like, is nobody else like in tears at 930 at night because their child is like a wild animal, like destroying the house? You feel like you have no power over them, but you're the parent. That's what I told my mom. I was like, how? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I feel like there's these moments in parenting where there's not necessarily an answer. Like, there's things that you can do maybe to, like, lessen the situation or, like, keep your cool, whatever, like, coping mechanism kind of things. But I feel like these things are going to just happen sometimes. And we have to just get to the other side of it. I just wanted to make that point that if you find yourself in those situations and you're like crying and you feel like you're the only one, like you're not. Like me, this person that creates mom content and has a PhD in psychology and uh, has all the child's behavior information at her fingertips with like professionals and experts, like no, I am in that situation too. Uh, And 
I'm not going to say that it's like, no, I, I feel like it is normal. Like it's, who knows what's happening? Somebody was like, is something happening at school with him? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I asked him, like asked the teacher, like nothing seems to be, he doesn't have a problem going to school. Like I, ugh. anywho, what else did I want to mention? This other thing that we have been dealing with lately, this is just like a venting podcast, I guess. Drives me nuts. Okay, so my background is in eating disorders. I'm very aware of like not being bossy or like having rules or anything like that when it comes to food. Like if Milo wants like a snack at a certain time and it's like, oh, dinner's coming up, like I don't care. He'll get the snack. Like I never like saying no to food within reason. Um, I'm starting to try and teach him about, you know, like things that are really healthy for our bodies that give us energy and help build our muscles versus things that are really delicious, but you don't have all the time. I don't know. Maybe I should have an episode with Taylor, um, Growing Intuitive Eaters, and we can talk about how to start teaching our kids. Because I feel like he's at an age now where I can start literally teaching him about nutrition stuff. So what's the best way to do that with kids? And honestly, we should send that podcast episode to every single school so they stop calling things like treats and having rules on like the amount of chocolate that kids can have in their lunch and stuff because that's not okay. What has been happening now is he usually, almost always, does not want to eat dinner. It's like, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry. What I've tried to do a few times is when he gets home from school, make sure he has like a plate of like cut up cucumber, like some fresh fruit, some nuts, like maybe a Greek yogurt, stuff that is good for him because I find he is hungry right after school. So he gets home at like 4.30. So he'll pick at it sometimes, but he always just wants like, ooh, can I have a granola bar? Can I have like you know, fruit snacks or whatever, whatever. So I try and just have a plate of good things that I want him to have ready when he gets home. He'll pick at it. Then we have dinner, let's say like 5.30, 6 o'clock. He's not interested in dinner. He'll have like a couple bites. Um, Yesterday he had like a quarter of a hamburger, which I was like, wow, like look at this. Winning. But yeah, it's like not hungry, not interested in in the food. And it's like, okay, but later when it's after bath time, you're not getting a million snacks because he always has a bedtime snack too after his bath when we watch his shows and get his PJs on and stuff. And again, those snacks I try to have like um, either like some berries, some Greek yogurt, some uh, nuts are really good. Or if it is doable, then I'll do some of the leftover dinner that he didn't freaking eat. But sometimes like, you know, if it's salmon or like broccoli or something, it's not exactly good as leftovers a couple hours later, you know? Because I like to have it sit out for him during dinner time to see maybe he'll change his mind and start eating it. And so, so then by the time it's snack time before bed, it's like not appealing. And of course, he's not going to want it. Like I wouldn't want it either. So I'm not going to like force him to eat it. But anyways, this is the problem that we've been running into. And I'm like, how do I address that? Like, what do we do? Because he's so used to having 
a snack before bed that is something like yogurt and nuts and whatever. But if he's not eating his dinner, then I don't want him having snack. And then when it comes to snack time, he'll finish his snack and be like, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. And like, first of all, you're delaying bedtime, which is irritating for me. But also, you didn't eat your dinner. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyways, this is what I'm struggling with right now. It's not like I have an answer for you guys, but I feel like another episode on eating and addressing these things and also teaching our kids about nutrition is, uh, is in need. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm dealing with. And I have a hard time just because of my background enforcing like food rules or, being uh, strict around food. It's like, if you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't eat. So, because that's how I grew up. It was like, okay, you're not hungry, then don't eat anything. Eat until you're comfortable. That's what my dad used to always say. Eat until you're comfortable. And so that's kind of what I live by. But it's fucking annoying right now. Anyways, moving on. Oh my God. This is just like a venting um, podcast. Here's something else that's a little bit irritating, which you might find amusing. You probably experience this as well, but nobody talks about it. I will talk about it right now. I often find myself, not often, but sometimes I find myself in this situation and it can be irritating. Let's say it's a Sunday and I get up with Milo, my husband's up, and we're having coffee, like watching TV, having a chill morning, and then I have an appointment to go do something, or I go to like Pilates class or whatever. I hate when my husband and Milo just sit and watch TV while I'm gone, Because then I have this guilt when I return that now I need to do something like take him to the park, like go do this, go do that. Because I know he's just been sitting around watching TV while I've been away. That can also be flipped. So if I, if my husband is gone, let's say Saturday mornings, he usually goes to the hospital to round on patients. So he'll be gone for like a few hours. I'll do a ton of stuff with Milo, like take him in the backyard, hunt for worms, like play games because I don't want him just sitting around watching TV. Then the afternoon comes and I have something to go do out of the house. Maybe I go grocery shopping or whatever, meet a friend for dinner or lunch. I feel like now they're just going to sit and watch TV when all morning I did the most with him. And like, Here's the thing. I don't care. The only thing I care about is that I care about it and feel guilt that I have to now entertain him when I get home because he's been sitting and chilling with my husband while I've been out of the house. Do you know what I'm saying? 
I would like to come home and just feel like I can do nothing and like put on a movie for Milo and I. But when I know that that's what he's done with my husband, now I feel like I have to take him to the park or like make a plan to hang out with his friends or entertain him, like get him out of the house, like do an activity. Does anybody else feel that way? And I feel like it's connected to mom guilt. And again, it's not my husband's fault. A lot of people are going to be like, oh my God. Like, it's not my husband's fault. I wish I could be like my husband and just fucking chill, but I can't because I have a problem. So what what is the solution to this? You know, sometimes if I know I'm going to be out, I will make a point to tell my husband, like, why don't you guys do X, Y, and Z? So that, like, he doesn't really know why I'm telling him to do that. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's because I don't want to get home tired from whatever I just went out and did and want to just sit down for a minute, but then feel like I have to do all the things to entertain Milo and get him out of the house and not watching TV, if that makes sense. Anyways, it's something that I, like, I've known about that for a long time. But never really talked about it because it's a weird thing to talk about. But I'm sure lots of people experience that as well. And by people, I mean moms. I will give a little bit of a book report. I never know if people like book reports, but they do. Um, Some people might call it a book review. I call it a book report. So I recently finished the book called The Perfect Couple. The reason I started reading it is, first of all, I'm obsessed with Elin Hillebrand, Hildebrand books. Um, I've read quite a few of her books. They all take place on Nantucket Island, which I always look it up. I want to stay at the Hotel Nantucket, which is what... If you read the book... Okay, if you start with an Elin book, start with Hotel Nantucket. It is such a good book. I enjoyed reading that book so much. It was just so good. I read my books before I go to bed and I looked forward to reading that book every single night. It was just the perfect amount of like a little bit of drama, just like a good freaking story, like all kinds of characters involved, the beautiful hotel, like it was just so cool. Um, So I always look up trips to go to Nantucket Island and stay at that hotel like a loser uh this is what I why don't you have any any time to get work done Renee oh because you're looking up trips to go to Nantucket like you know uh anyways love her books so the book The Perfect Couple is really good And they are making a Netflix, either a movie or like a mini series TV show based on that book. So I wanted to read it before that comes out because I will watch it. And I'm pretty sure Nicole Kidman is in it. And if I can guess who she's going to play, I would say she's going to play the rich mother-in-law. But I could be wrong, but I'm I'm sure that's who she'll play because that's just like her vibe, right? Like rich mother-in-law. So I finished that, loved it. It was like a murder mystery kind of book about this big fancy wedding that's going to happen. Super good. So loved that. Just started reading, 
what's it called? Oh my god. I just started reading. Okay, I read The Perfect Couple. Oh yeah. No. Yes. Now I'm reading On a Quiet Street. So Claudia from The Toast gave it five stars, which she doesn't usually give books five stars. So I was like, oh, must be good. It is really good. Loving it so far. Again, it's kind of like this mystery, like it's all these different characters that live on this cul-de-sac in a gated community. And it's like, I'm sure they're all going to be connected somehow to like this mysterious kind of like thriller situation. And it seems to me like almost every book that I read lately jumps from character to character for each chapter, which I like that kind of book, but I do find that you really have to pay attention. And when you're reading like the first quarter of the book, sometimes I forget who is who. So it's like, oh, this chapter is from Georgia's perspective. And I'm like, who the fuck is Georgia again? Like, which storyline is that? So that kind of gets confusing. But once you're like over halfway through the book, you really know who is who. But it can kind of mess you up when you're first reading because I'm like reading someone's story, but I'm not sure what their previous story was about, if that makes sense. So like, where are the books where it's just like, from one person's perspective. Every single book is like, there's like eight different characters and each chapter just jumps through, like it goes from character to character. Anywho, it's almost like you need to take notes as you're reading and be like, okay, this person is this person. They're married to this person. And that's that on that. I am still recovering from my sinus infection. That's, I probably sound different. I've been doing all the things possible to try and get rid of it. And to be honest, usually I would be like suffering so badly for at least a week and a half, two weeks. And as soon as I started to get a sore throat on Wednesday night, Thursday, I had a sore throat and it went into my sinuses and I booked an IV, which I've never tried before, on the Friday By Friday, it had turned into a sinus infection. Like I could tell if you get sinus infections, like you just know. Your head, you feel like you're underwater and you just want to lay down. Like that's the overall feeling. No energy, very fatigued, but it's like this underwater feeling. By like Sunday, I felt a million times better. I'm still a little bit like that underwater feeling in my head. But I haven't even, the last like three nights, I haven't even had to use decongestion spray to sleep, which usually when I have a sinus infection, it'll be like two weeks straight of having to use decongestion spray to be able to sleep because my nose will just be totally blocked. So it's, it's been wild. I did the IVs. I've been taking a bunch of supplements that my naturopath recommended for like infections and boosting immunity. She put something in the IV the first time I did it that was like to boost your white blood cells, like to kind of like fight whatever is happening. I swear to God, it's been so good. I've been doing nasal rinses with the neti pot thing. So the second IV I did on Monday. So I did one Friday and then Monday. And yeah, to be honest, like... I don't know how Gwyneth Paltrow does IVs regularly because it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant at all. Like the needle going in obviously hurts like a bitch, but 
it's like this dull like achiness because it's putting fluid like in your arm and your vein so like I was like rubbing my bicep muscle the whole time it happened and they last a long time I was sitting there in a chair for an hour with an IV like letting it like drip 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 and she was like I can put it slower if it's hurting a little bit like it's not it's not like oh it hurts it's like an uncomfortable like dull achiness and I was like do not put it slower because I just want it to end but at the same time it's uncomfortable so it's like a weird situation to be in I was trying to listen to a podcast to like pass the time but oh my god it takes forever and it is uncomfortable so while I think it worked really well I would never be one to just like do it as a fucking hobby I would if I have a cold that I really wanted to get rid of because I was traveling or doing whatever then I would do another one they are not cheap um it was 160 for I did like the cold immunity boost one they have different ones depending on what you want but yeah not cheap not a cheap hobby to get into but yeah very impressed with the results and today I'm going to do acupuncture for my sinuses and just chat with my naturopath about the week before my period because my luteal phase right before my period is not a joke. I literally go into like this dark mindset of like what what am I doing like I just want to quit everything like I'm I suck at everything um have no time to do anything like it's crazy um that but also the not sleeping like I can't handle the not sleeping so we'll see what she says about that and yeah just uh continuing on this wellness journey I swear it's like since I turned 38 all of a sudden I don't know if it's like perimenopause and now my hormones are just like in overdrive my cycle is still super regular I just got my period this morning like hella freaking luyah luteal phase is so bad for for like four or five days that when I get my period I am ecstatic because it marks the end of luteal phase like thank fucking god maybe now tonight I will sleep and I will not be in like the worst irritable mood ever also what I'm gonna do is like map out my cycle on a calendar and literally black out the week before my period so that I don't book things during that week like that'll be a week where I can just like create content read books for like fucking self-improvement uh go for walks like have a bath because I book things during that week and then I'm just like I can't I cannot that's that on that guys uh good chatting with you really looking forward to having the daily solo I think I have a, a name for it very excited because there's so many things I always want to talk about and I just want to talk about it in the moment. We'll see how that goes. Thanks so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe, follow the podcast wherever you are listening. Follow us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and tell your friends about the podcast. Okay. Like let's share it with our friends because we are trying to grow and take over the world. Thanks so much. And I hope your children sleep tonight and don't have a blackout rage meltdown throwing their Legos all over the house before they sleep. Okay, bye. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. (laughs) 
Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>